What is the perfect story? Does it exist? Is there a tangible formula? Has the perfect story ever been told? And if so, are we simply trying to retell this story over and over? This podcast is called The Midnight Myth, and somewhere between the black of night and the break of dawn, there is a story, and it's perfect. My name is Derek Jones. And my name is Laurel Hostack. Welcome to The Midnight Myth. Welcome back to the Midnight Myth, everybody's favorite history, mythology, philosophy, and how those subjects bubble up into our popular storytelling podcast. As always, I am very excited to be back for a Midnight Myth for a whole host of reasons. It has been almost three months since we've recorded. Uh, yeah. Almost three months. So let me kind of give everyone a breakdown why we've had such a long pause between episodes and the things that have been kind of going on, and sort of the genesis and the idea of this episode. Thank you for your patience, dear Midnight Myth listeners, and really hanging with us. A lot of life changes have happened over the last few months for Laurel and I. So since the last time we recorded, we have bought a house, and we have moved, and we're still in the process of selling an old house. And so now we own two houses, which is a little scary, and we're a little tight financially because we don't really want to own two houses. So if you want to help us out, great time to become a Midnight Myth patron. Or a great time to become a first-time homebuyer. Can I interest you in a house in lovely South Philadelphia? It's a great house in South Philly. Yeah. so Very we, close to the World Series. Very close to the World Series. So we moved and we were busy. We had to set up the studio. We had a lot going on. So some episode ideas got put onto the back burner. And as you mentioned, the 2022 Philadelphia Phillies made it to the World Series, which is still ongoing. It's not over yet. And that pretty much stopped everything because we are diehard Philadelphia Phillies fans in this house. I'm a lifelong baseball fan. And maybe we should do a baseball-themed episode at some point. I mean, there's no crying in baseball. I'll also say, just on the life front, we have a toddler, and we have been adjusting to life in the suburbs now while still schlepping our toddler to his daycare in the city. So on top of everything that we're going through, we also have like a triple commute uh, from the suburbs to the city and back again four or five times a day. So It's been a challenge. So we thought of a way that we could potentially do more Midnight Myth content. And we are calling this episode a bonus, even though we're not doing kind of regularly scheduled programming. And the idea is, this is what we're going to call a Midnight Myth Meditation. Laurel and I are going to take something that we've been thinking about, that we've wanted to talk about, related to the mission of the Midnight Myth, which is look for universal themes in storytelling, deconstruct the ideas and concepts 
in contemporary pop culture and link it to the philosophical, historical, and mythological. And we want to take these ideas and have a conversation about them that may not be as lightning-focused nor as long as some of our other episodes. We are going to have traditional Midnight Myth episodes. We've been in discussion on a few. We have been preparing a few, but they're just not ready yet. And I'll be honest, I missed you all. I missed doing this. And knowing that we weren't prepared for some of our bigger ideas, the question became, what can we do with the time that we have? And we're going to be doing bonus Midnight Myth meditations as they come and as we feel inspired to do them. Wonderful. That's an excellent way to put it out. I missed you all too. It feels so good to be sitting across the podcast studio table from you, Derek, in our new podcast studio space. Things look sort of similar and sort of incredibly different. Uh, and that's kind of the gist of what the Midnight Myth is going to be going forward. Sort of similar, but sort of incredibly different. So we're thankful that you stuck around. We love you. You're awesome. And we can't wait to do more Midnight Myth. So before we roll up our sleeves and get into this meditation, Laurel, do your thing. Oh, yeah. No, I'll keep my thing really short this time. Follow us on social media. We're at The Midnight Myth on Twitter. We're on Facebook. And we're on Instagram at Midnight Myth Podcast. You should also tune in to bonus episodes of The Wheel of Ka, which also run in the Midnight Myth feed. There was an awesome, awesome recent episode, and I know the guys are still reading and cooking some more stuff up. Derek also got an amazing Dark Tower tattoo. Incredible. So he's reading through all of the works of Stephen King. And then uh, you should also check out Sleep and Sorcery, uh, because everybody has trouble sleeping these days. And I have created a little bit of something to help you sleep. And that's called Sleep and Sorcery. It's a folklore and fantasy-inspired sleep podcast with original bedtime stories inspired by your favorite myths, fantasy, and folklore. So check that out. And that's my thing. Wonderful. Let's begin. No recap here. I'm going to explain why I wanted to do this episode. I was watching the making of the Obi-Wan Kenobi series on Disney+, Plus, which, by the way, that's something we're going to be doing an episode about For that's sure. in the works and we're preparing. And I was watching it, and I was struck by something, and it really got me thinking, and it got me meditating. And I want to share this meditation with you all, and I want to bring Laurel into it and get her thoughts a lot of this I haven't really pre-discussed with Laurel, so we're going to get some of her fresh takes. And it had to do with the word mythology. You guys all know the Midnight Myth is all about understanding the mythic roots of modern storytelling and how the ancient world calls to us um, and lives within our contemporary narratives. And I'm watching Hewlett McGregor talk about the Star Wars mythology. And I'm watching all of the other creators and all of the other people in this really great behind-the-scenes making of, of the Obi-Wan Kenobi show, and I really started to pick up that they continually discussed Marvel as a mythology. I'm sorry, Star Wars as a mythology. However, it does correlate to the MCU because if you're watching behind-the-scenes things with the MCU, talking to the actors, the writers, the directors, the people making the MCU, 
they also called the MCU a mythology. And then, just coincidentally, I put on something on YouTube. I can't even tell you what it was, but it was debunking a myth. And it was talking about this thing that was fundamentally untrue, and it kept calling it a myth. And I thought about the project of The Midnight Myth. It's in the name of our title, and we, t we use the word mythology. And I wonder if we are using the terms mythology and myth in a way that's constructive to understanding and critically analyzing literature, television, and film. And I'm going to put this out there. Spoiler alert, I don't think we are. I don't think we're using these terms in the way that is the most useful. Now, this can get into a lot of messy stuff. We can start debating the use of language, the syntax. Um, is it proper to use one word in one context versus another? And I'm not trying to grammar police. I'm not trying to say you're using the word wrong. Because when Hewlett McGregor says the Star Wars mythology, I get what he means. We all understand the syntax. But are we losing a little something when we use it that way? And conversely, when we talk about something that is fundamentally not true and we call it a myth, are we losing something when we talk about myth that way? If a myth is fundamentally untrue, but Star Wars is a mythology, we're kind of saying Star Wars is fundamentally untrue. And conversely, on top of that, is something like Star Wars or the MCU or Lord of the Rings or any of these properties, Fast and the Furious, that we know and love, Alien, are any of these actual mythologies. So tonight, I want to meditate on how we use the word myth and how we colloquially use the word myth to describe something false and how we use the term mythology and how we use mythology to describe big, sprawling fantasy IPs. How does that sound to you, Laurel? That sounds amazing. Uh, wow, what a huge thesis statement you put out there. I just want to unpack it a little bit. I think everything I'm about to say was already in what you laid out. I just want to really tease it apart and make sure I understand it. So you've used myth, mythology, these, these somewhat interchangeable words. I know they're not really interchangeable, but you've used them to describe three different contexts right up at the top. One of those contexts being like myth as we think about it, right? So like the Greek myths, the pantheon of gods and the stories that we tell about them, those gods and their heroes. Mythology, the like most pure form of it, that's what that means. And then you've got mythology when it refers to vast sprawling IPs and the backstories and lore that come with something like Star Wars or Marvel or DC, et cetera, Lord of the Rings, Harry Potter, the background, the canon, if you will. And then you've got the sort of Mythbusters take. So the fact that myth is used to, see, to be something that we debunk, something that we bust, an old wives' tale, something that is passed down or that is commonly believed, but that once you look closer, it is untrue, it is false. I think all of those are really interesting, especially because they are vastly different meanings of the same word. And then you get into this conversation about truth and untruth. And where I first respond to that is this idea of myth being something that's 
fundamentally untrue just kind of stabs me in the heart a little bit because my understanding of myth and the only way that I understand myth, because every definition that you put onto myth and mythology falls short, in my opinion, the only way I understand it is a story or a body of stories that are fundamentally true, even if they are not accurate. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. Well, so let's, let's back up a step or two. The word myth comes from the Greek word mythos, and it was designed in contrast to two other concepts in the Greek language, one being kultos, the other one being logos. And these are three different thought-out systems that are all trying to get out the root of the problems of why are we here, who are we, how did we get here. Mythos are the stories that people tell to each other about each other. Cultos are the religious sacrifices and practices that people do to commune with and gain favor of divine energies. And logos is using rational thought, reason, debate, and rhetoric to try to understand the world. And we can understand logos as a refutation of mythos and cultos. So in this respect, when we look at the Greek origins of these terms, mythos has, especially from the era of the philosophers, a fundamentally untrueness. It is subservient to logos. Logos is a superior form of understanding the word to mythos to the ancient Greek philosophers for the most part. But let me read the Miriam definition of the word myth. And it is exceedingly long. So this is according to Miriam Webster. Definition of mythology, 1A, a usual traditional story of ostensibly historical events that serves to unfold part of the worldview of a people or explain a practice, belief, or natural phenomenon. Two, a popular belief or tradition that has grown up around something or someone especially, one embodying the ideals or institutions of a society or a segment of society subduced. For example, the American myth of individualism. An unfounded or false notion, like the myth of racial superiority, a person or thing having an only imaginary or unfair, unverifiable existence, Superman is a myth, the whole body of myths. This definition is awful. It is, a myth is everything, if this is the definition of myth. So it could be a traditional story of ostensibly historical facts, but it's not really historical, and it's to explain a belief or practice. It could be a popular belief or something that we have a misconception on or something we all believe that may or may not be true. It can be completely false. It can be a total lie. And it could be a person or a thing like King Arthur or Robin Hood. Or it could be all the myths that have ever existed in the world. 
You are totally right. That is completely contradictory and it is all over the place. I do think there's an important thing to bring in, though, which is that the dictionary doesn't decide what the definition is. It reflects culture, right? And so the contradictions that are showing up are a reflection of how we have evolved to use the word. The best example of this is how the word literally, literally doesn't mean literally anymore because culture has shifted the way that they use the word. And so the dictionary has redefined it. So I think it's interesting to bring that in because it breaks open kind of how culture has evolved and how linguistics have evolved around the words. Well, funny that you should say that. Let's read the definition of mythology and compare and contrast. According to Merriam-Webster, mythology is an allegorical narrative, a body of myths such as the myths dealing with the gods, demigods, legendary heroes, or of a particular people, a branch of knowledge that deals with myth, a popular belief or assumption that has grown up around someone or something. You'll notice some parallels there. These words kind of mean the same thing depending upon what definition you're going for and what subset of the definition you're going for. So I think it's it's worth noting where did the term myth, where did, not the term myth, where did myths themselves come from? How do we get to myths and what does it mean to have a myth? I think it's really essential to understand myth, the, the storytelling practice of myth, because at the end of the day, we throw around the term mythology with respect and we throw around the term myth with falsehood, fundamental disrespect. My theory, and I have no evidence to back this up, is because mythology sounds like biology, zoology, and ology, psychology. It has an air of academic respect to it. Sounds like science. It sounds like someone has studied it, so I've studied the mythology of Star Wars. Sounds really official and really powerful, but when you say, I've studied the myth of Star Wars, you're like, well, yeah, of course Star Wars isn't real. How does that make you special? But where did the, the narratives that myth come from? And the answer is we really don't know. These stories are super old. They are super ancient. They are prehistorical artifacts. At least the roots of them are prehistorical artifacts, meaning people weren't going around saying, let's write down these myths and how we came up with them. By the time people were writing them down, they had existed, some of them for potentially a thousand years, maybe longer, maybe centuries. But I did read this interesting article that I'm going to quote, and my goodness, I wish I wrote down the name of the author, the author, pardon me, to cite them, but I can't. I can maybe find it and put it in the show notes. Don't hold me to that, Midnight Myth listeners, because Laurel does the show notes and I don't. But (laughs) it goes around this. And the idea was, what came first, the cult or the myth? And this was an anthropologist that suggested the cult came first. Because the cult and the cult practices are all about physical body movements, sacrifices, dances, um, doing things with the body, which suggest that they are pre-linguistical actions. People coalesced around certain behaviors certain body movements, certain things, and those are the practices that would then turn into the cults. And then as people developed language and the ability to talk to each other, 
the cultic practices were then grounded in myths to explain what was already there. A bunch of ancient people decided at a certain time of the year, they're going to cut an animal's throat and they're going to dance around the blood and they're going to do this in the hope that the harvest is really great. And then flash forward a thousand years and they're doing this at the cult for Demeter in the hopes that she will reunite with her daughter Persephone to bring the grain. And that that narrative then comes around to explain the cultic behavior and suggested that it was the cult before the myth. It's important to note, myths don't have an orthodoxy. If there's one thing that we can say about a myth, it's that anyone can tell the myth and they can tell it any way they want. And in that, the person telling the myth is going to inject their own culture, their own behavior, their own way that they told it. We think of Homer, for example, the writer down of the Iliad and the Odyssey, as someone who was the definitive voice of these tales. But in reality, Homer was just writing down the, the poems that everybody was, this is likely true, not 100% true, that everybody was already telling. And in it, he was creating mnemonic devices, so rhyme and meter, that made it easy to understand the information and easy to recite it. A Homeric poet would not say the poem the exact same way every time because they're just too long. So they would introduce new things, but if they knew the mnemonic devices behind it, if they knew how the, the poem should flow, they'd be able to substitute a word here, substitute a phrase there. Myths are the narrative equivalent of an organic story. They, to me, defining them as something that's fundamentally untrue is completely misunderstanding the nature and purpose of myth, which is to grapple with the big questions. Why am I here? Where did this stuff come from? What is my purpose? Who am I? Who are my neighbors? Why do we live together this way? Why does the universe look the way it does? These myths are designed to reflect and to meditate, and you can change them, and you can morph them, and you can turn them into so many different things. And that is why myth is such a unique form of storytelling, that every single storytelling that has come after it owes a debt to it, and none of them are myths. And in this, I would say my meditation is to call Star Wars a mythology, is to misunderstand both what a myth is, but it is also to misunderstand the study of myth because Star Wars, while mythic, while owing a big debt to the ancients, while living within the legacy of storytelling, cannot now and ever be a myth. I think that's really, uh, that's well said. That's kind of breaking some things open for me. And I do, I do think it comes back to the way I sort of approached this when you, you laid this all on the table, which is that, to me, myths are about asking and answering and understanding universal truths. Even if they're not literal truths, I just literally broke down how literally doesn't mean literally anymore. And then I used literal in a sentence. So here we are. I'm a millennial. What are you going to say? That was but, literally awesome. But I, I do think that's a really interesting way to look at it. And then when you, 
you apply that back to these IPs, you apply that back to Star Wars, is Star Wars a mythology? Well, if we're looking at it in this sense of this organic evolution of storytelling that grapples with universal truths, I think you can, I think you can understand it either way, right? Because on the one hand, you can look at Star Wars sort of cynically and be like, George Lucas read the hero with a thousand faces and said, let me map that onto a story and create an epic adventure that has mythic archetypes coursing through its veins. You can read that in a cynical way, but you can also read it in the sense that like Joseph Campbell, right? This, this name that comes up every time we do a podcast observed this in so much storytelling, observed these organic truths that arise arose in many of the same patterns again and again. He's not the only one who observed this. Uh, who's to say that Star Wars isn't also an organic outgrowth of that same grappling with universal questions and universal truths? It's just a, a meditation. There is no way that I'm going to say my argument is universal and mm. that there's no room for debate. I don't, I don't say that dogmatically. I bring that up to the podcast because I want to discuss it. Right, yeah. Because I want to say, hey, this thought that I have, that we use this term incorrectly, and that applying mythology with an air of respect, but myth with an air of debunking the falseness, is itself a disrespectful to the mythic history that humans, humans owe to the ancients that helped get us to where we are now. Myths are an essential part of the narrative of humanity. And so to say, if it's a myth, it's just untrue. And colloquially, we do this all the time. It's a myth that wearing hats will make you go bold. It's a myth that, um, I'm trying to think of more, it's a myth that trickle-down economics works. Whatever the myth is, it's a myth that communism works. Whatever your perspective is, I'm not saying any of those are, are, are not myths. What I'm saying is, using that is to say, a myth, yeah, yeah, that's bad. A myth is bad. It's not true. It's wrong. Zeus didn't never existed. Zeus is a myth. But to say a mythology, oh, is this beautiful thing that we can study and we appreciate the mythology, yet we denigrate the myth is to, I think, misunderstand what myths mean to begin with. Whether or not we can call stories like Star Wars a myth, stories like Harry Potter a myth, is something that I think is worth debating, and I'm putting forth now that I lean more towards no. I lean more towards they are not myths. They are the children of myths. They are mythic in part. They owe their, their debt to the mythic legacy to which they come from. They don't exist without myth, but they are not myths. Think of it like this. America is a republic. America modeled its Republican form of government off of the Roman Republic, but America is not Rome. We are not Rome. We are very, very different from Rome. We are modern, we're contemporary, and, I, and we do Republic a lot better than Rome did. Right? And that is undeniable. Yet we owe a debt to the Roman Republic because we wouldn't have the American Republic without Rome. Much in the same way, we wouldn't have Star Wars without the Norse, Greek, Chinese, whatever mythic system you want to talk about, we wouldn't have Star Wars. We wouldn't have all these great modern stories without those that are there. They owe a debt, but there is a fundamental difference. And that difference is 
One, they are told specifically for profit motive, first and foremost. And listen, artists got to eat. I'm not saying making money is wrong. Like, I'm not saying they shouldn't do it to make money. No, artists need to eat. George Lucas needed to, he was a starving artist and he got to turn it into a storytelling empire. Good for him, right? I celebrate that. But it's designed first and foremost for profit. It's designed second, the secondary, it's in a medium that did not exist in the formation of myth. And the people, when myths were being formed, couldn't even imagine. So it's a completely different distribution system and a completely different consumption. A myth is a story that is told person to person, community to community, tribe to tribe, where a movie is distributed and all witnessed in a theater or a home theater. So it's distributed differently. And these things create a difference to it. A movie is a definitive text. There is a movie. It has fundamental attributes about them that are not debatable. There are plenty of things that you could debate, like the overall artistic merits, its subtext and meaning. Those things are debatable. But the fact that the movie exists and is about Luke Skywalker learning to become a Jedi, that's not debatable. Yeah, you cannot say Luke didn't blow up the Death Star. Luke blew up the Death Star. A myth can change, should change. It must change. It cannot be set in stone. Once it's set in stone, it loses a part of what makes a myth a myth, which is the ability for the myth teller to interject their own personality and identity and culture into it so that it is a reflection of the myth teller which is where the truth of a myth comes from. It doesn't come from whether or not Persephone was in fact abducted by Hades. It comes from, hey, the people that believe that, what did that mean to them? Why did they tell that story? What language did they use? How did they distribute that? It tells us a truth about the people who believed it. But it, the story itself, and to do that, the story itself has to be malleable. It has to change. How does that story change over time? Did people tell a story similar like that at a different time and place? If so, what did that look like? How did that story then get to the Greeks? All of this is how we get to the truth baked into the myth, which a movie does not have. Hence, it cannot be, in my opinion, a myth. Amazing. I want to respond to that. I, my head is kind of buzzing. I want to respond to that. Some of the things I'm extrapolating from that is that there's this dividing line in myth and movie, for lack of a better term, myth and um, popular culture or modern storytelling, right? And that dividing line comes in the form of, I'm not sure if I want to say singularity versus multiplicity or authorship. I'm not sure if I think the the biggest dividing line here is whether it has uh, multiple delivery methods and evolves over time or whether it has a singular author who drives the intention and the meaning versus a collective, a community who all influence the evolution of the story over time. So I think those both play a part in it, but I think one of them is the, is, is the point where it becomes one versus the other. If I can read a text and say, what is Francis Ford Coppola saying about war? Right. Not a myth. Right. right. Not a myth. 
if I am engaging in a story and I'm like, what does that, what, what did the medieval and ancient Germanic Norse people think about gender? I'm dealing with myth. Right. You know, did they think gender was fluid? Because this Loki character seems to be switching all the time. Yeah. Maybe they didn't have a really rigid form. Like, I don't know. It's something I could understand because the stories they were telling involve a character becoming a female horse and birthing a wolf. I mean, how do people come up? Then I'm dealing with myth. Yeah. You know, and I think that is an important distinction to it. And then, and and I want to just reiterate this just for the record. I'm not going to say this dogmatically. I, I, I'm not going to walk up to you at McGregor if I ever get the chance to meet him, which would be awesome. And I would be like, love that. Uh, bro, you use mythology in the incorrect context. Like, no, I'm not, I'm not about uh, grammar police. I got the syntax. That's all that I mattered. He's talking about this really rich, complicated universe that came from George Lucas and the team of Star Wars. And he's talking about studying it and being in it with an air of respect. And so I respect that. But just in the Midnight Myth Project, I'm like, hey, are we thinking of the term myth correctly? What is the purpose of myth in the modern world? How do we use this term in the modern world? And there seems to be a distinction that I think is arbitrary between myth and mythology. And I think that blurs our understanding of myth. And because of that, maybe we should stop thinking of Star Wars as a mythology and putting it on a pedestal and just start thinking it of a movie or a TV show or a comic book and put it where it belongs, still with respect and love, and but say, okay, this a thousand years from now, we don't know if people are going to be telling the story of Star Wars. We just don't. But we do know that 2,000 years ago, People were telling the story of Zeus and we're telling that still. And let's treat that with a little bit of respect. So the question that's coming to me now, and I don't know if this is a question or a challenge, but we always sign off our podcast by saying, be kind. And I'm thinking about this debate between myth, mythology, and movies, TV, comic books, modern storytelling that's what the core of our podcast is about, right? Finding the, the similarities and the universal truths that run through all of those. Is there, this is either a question or a challenge, is there an imperative here for us to bring the same kind of reverence and uh, respect that we have for myth and mythology to movies, TV, popular culture, without bringing an expectation of orthodoxy, an expectation of canon. Can we, and do we get some richness or some reward out of looking at something like Star Wars and allowing it to have contradiction, allowing it to have malleability and flexibility, allowing it to have multiple authors, allowing it to mean different things to different people, not just Star Wars, Lord of the Rings, Harry Potter, whatever it is, do you get any kind of richness or reward out of letting that have multiplicity, letting that go from authorship? I love that. And in this way, we can look at Star Wars a little more like a myth, but certainly less of a mythology. And 
and I'm going to flesh that out a little bit, what I mean by that. And if I, I just want to make sure I understand your point, too, because yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I do. You're like, hey, if we're calling it not a myth, doesn't that make it a little harder to have different authors, different storytellers put their spin on it, different people that interpret it differently, that want different things from it? Do we limit that? And I say, no, it's a definitive text, and there's only one way to look at it. And I would say no, because it still carries mythic qualities with it. Sure. It doesn't give up the mythic history that it lives in just because it might be different from it. In the same way, we don't give up the Romanness to the American Republic, even though we're different from it. And when we use the term mythology respectfully, but the term myth derogatorily, or at least as a debunker, as a fundamental falseness, as something that's not true, we're elevating the mythology part, which is to say, it's about the broader scope of the universe and less about what we're trying to tell in this story. And in that respect, it becomes more problematic to me. It becomes more problematic, Star Wars in particular, because a different author, shoot, it could be George Lucas, could say, let me reimagine some parts of this universe. And fans can be like, you've ruined my mythology. You've ruined your own mythology because you made the force at least partially scientific with metachlorians. You've ruined the mythology because Obi-Wan Kenobi knew who R2-D2 was, but in A New Hope, he acts like he doesn't. And in that respect, when we use the term mythology, that's where it could be problematic because now you're like, you're ruining the mythology of Star Wars. And it's just like, if there's one person that can't ruin the mythology of Star Wars, it's George Lucas. And the whole idea is that you can't ruin a mythology. It does not have definitive authorship or definitive singularity. It can live in every aspect, and it can be true in every aspect. It reflects a culture, and it changes through time. And I think we can allow even modern storytelling that same amount of grace that we allow to mythology. There is literally... <laughs> and, but I would say... I would say that that is where the term matters and the rhetoric matters. Yeah. That's where I'd say Star Wars has mythic components and aspects to it, though it's different. There is, it's definitely different from a myth, but it has these mythic components. And because of that, Ryan Johnson can tinker with it a little bit. And we can go to the Obi-Wan and we can tinker with the time between and be like, what if Obi-Wan knew Leia as a little girl? What would that look like? How would that play out? You know, and then people can lose their minds because, oh, you've ruined the mythology because Leia seems like she doesn't know who Obi-Wan is in A New Hope. It's just like, hold on. Is this story, is it a good story? Does it matter? Does it resonate? What's it saying? Could we extrapolate deeper meaning? Is it potentially deconstructing the idea of empire and oppression? Okay, that's going to get into our Obi-Wan Kenobi episode that we want to do later. But I think that is the, the reason that I wanted to do this particular meditation, to say mythology carries with it the ology. And so when we say it's mythology, it's more, it's better, it's more scientific. When we say it's myth, it's not true, it's false, never really happened. And I think we need to rethink how we use those terms completely. And we need to, if anything, we need to say stars ain't a mythology at all. Like that's the thing that's, that's patently false. It's not a mythology. 
It has never been a mythology. There aren't any gods. There aren't any divine beings. It's not about the creation of the universe. It's not about um, where particular etological phenomenon have come from. It's not about a culture finding their identity. It's not about the birthplace of a form of law or democracy or system of government. It's completely not a mythology, though it lives within the umbrella of myth, though thousands of years removed, it lives in that lineage. So when we think about how much we love the more mythic elements of Star Wars, I would suggest let's talk about the myth of Star Wars and let's talk about that and let's chop off the ology. I love it. You know, most of the time when people say something's ruining the mythology, they're not talking about the mythology. They're talking about the trivia. And there's another word that means a couple of different things. But maybe if you're getting really butthurt about something that happens on a TV show on Disney+, Plus, think about whether it's not mythological, it's trivial. Well, and that's another thing at the end of this meditation worth bringing up. I mean, the world is melting. There are right-wing fascists taking over countries. Is this really the most important thing in the world to be talking about? Maybe not. I, you know, I, I don't know. But I tend to think the rhetoric that we use matters. And a lot of the problems that we face, like our history, mythology, and philosophy, are interlaced in weird and strange ways. And if we can tend to think more mythically and more positively about mythically and less, less mythologically, we may find ourselves to be a little more empathetic to uh, the person of color who is new to a IP that traditionally excluded people of color. We might be a little more empathetic to the filmmaker who takes a risk and maybe it's clunky and it doesn't work out, but at least they're trying something different and it didn't actually ruin your experience with other media. And maybe it can help us talk about art, public art, popular culture with each other in a way that could be just a little less toxic because it can get really ugly out there as it can get ugly out there with all topics. So Midnight Myth listeners, it sounds like you have your homework cut out for you. We'll also be changing the name of the show from Midnight Myth to Midnight Mythology. Did I understand that correct? You did. You know, it's <laughs> funny. I'm, I'm going to portray a little bit of my bias. I took a, a Greek myth class, a class in comparative Greek myth, and that's what it was called. And in it, the professor was just like, yeah, we don't, we're not using the term mythology. It just doesn't work. It's broken. Mythology just doesn't work anymore. It doesn't mean anything. We're just going with myth. We're talking about myths. And that's what we are. Mythology is just a problematic term. And this was like totally against even using the term mythology in the class. So maybe some of the bias from that class is echoing into this. I don't know. I kind of love it. I'm going to start working on that in my everyday life and in my podcasting. That's all I got for my meditation. I hope you guys enjoyed this. It was nice to be back in the studio. We are going to be doing more traditional Midnight Myth episodes, but every once in a while we're going to come back with something like this, where maybe we don't have one particular movie or television show or book or whatever in mind, but we have a question, right? We have a question and we want to work it out together and we also want to work it out with you. So I hope that you will listen and that you will enjoy and that you will reach out to us. Again, social media, at The Midnight Myth on Twitter, 
Facebook, Instagram. Find us. Drop us a line on midnightmyth.com. Join the conversation. Let's keep it going. I'm at Derek Jones 198 I'm always on Twitter. I'm going to tweet a lot about the Phillies while they're in the World Series, just so you know. Wonderful. Until next time, be kind.